these networks wouldn't exist without mm-hmm. their contribution. You wouldn't have yeah. shows to make money off of if you didn't have writers and actors bringing it to life. Just have to do it, hope for the best, and then yes. leg it. I completely understand the assignment, and I'm not concerned about it at all. And, and you know, you say things like that in movies where you're like, yeah, you, why, why, don't, turn around and go back. But I, we are filming in an actual cave, and in the very back of the cave, there's actually a wall that just says, turn back now on it and i was the first person in the crew to continue past that wall (laughs) so so there's a good chance i would have never actually made it out of the cave but hello and welcome to tom meets interesting people this is the podcast where i'm undergoing an identity crisis because this isn't the podcast where I interview voice actors to nuclear engineers to SWAT team negotiators, but rather this is now the podcast where I will interview creative and performing artists to talk about what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. And before we move on, obviously, as you know, this is part of one of our, some of my experiments that I want to do as I'm trying to get a little bit more comfortable, trying to find a little bit more of a niche now, trying to niche down. But I also just want to take a moment and say thank you to every single person who has messaged me or liked or commented on August's uh, video. At the time of recording this, it is the most downloaded episode I've ever had on all of my like kind of podcasting platforms. So like Red Circle was just like, oh my God. Like so uh, from the bottom of my heart to you wonderful people in the horror community who came out, came to listen. Even though I'm not a part of you guys, you have shown me so much love. And I just want to say thank you so much to each and every one of you. And continuing on with the theme of horror, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you. Let me take a moment to introduce you to the wonderful Chris Bell. Hello. How are we doing, Chris? Doing fantastic. How are you, Tom? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. Uh, like as I was saying, like just I have found like the entire horror community has just sort of come out the woodwork for me, oh, yeah. and I've received so many wonderful messages and so many like kind words said. And like even though I don't know my saw from my final destination, <laughs> it's just been so wonderful. Um, but this one's about you, and um, I want to introduce you all to Chris Bell who is a writer and director, and we're going to be talking about your uh, film, which is currently in its fundraising stage, uh, which is What Drills Beneath. So let's kick off with it. Tell me about this film and tell me why should someone go to the Indiegogo right now and back it? Absolutely. So What Dwells Beneath is actually a Lovecraftian-inspired cosmic horror that follows a group of urban explorers, you know, people that are fascinated by forgotten worlds and hidden places. Uh, They stumble upon an abandoned cave, and due to all of their curiosities, they unwittingly awaken an ancient evil that uh, should have never been disturbed in the first place. Like, why do we do this as humans? Like, why (laughs) do we just go about unearthing ancient evils? Like, we see the signs. There's the cryptic signs there. We should should pay heed. (laughs) And, and, you know, you say things like that in movies where you're like, why, why, don't, turn around and go back. But 
I, we are filming in an actual cave. This is an actual abandoned cave, uh, the location that we're filming in. And in the very back of the cave, there's actually a wall that just says turn back now on it. And I was the first person in the crew to continue past that wall. <laughs> so, so there's a good chance I would have never actually made it out of the cave. But turns out there was just a lot of bat poop right beyond that yes. wall. So <laughs> what compelled you to pass that sign? <laughs> I, you know, there's just something that was like, if I don't, I'll never know. <laughs> so you're telling me you're the first person to die in a horror movie then? it's yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> I, I would i would 100 percent be the first person that dies in a horror movie because i my curiosity gets the best of me it's a problem mm. yeah <laughs> ah, it's, a good, it's normally a good trait to have though isn't it normally a good you know, trait. Yeah. so uh for people to actually go to the indiegogo and uh help contribute to this project would be huge for us um we're looking at a pretty modest goal of $5,000, and that helps us fund everyone in the cast, everyone in the crew, all the monsters, all the props, you know, everything that we need. None of this is like going into my pocket or anything mm -hmm. like that. So uh, this helps with distribution. This helps us have a premiere. Uh, so your contributions really help. And I think we have some pretty cool perks up on the Indiegogo for people to pick up. Oh, t tell me about those perks, because like I saw one that was adopt a monster. Yes, that is uh, that's definitely been my favorite perk is the adopt a monster perk. So for just five hundred dollars, you can symbolically adopt a monster into your home. Uh, nice. Adopting one of these monsters will allow you to receive adoption paperwork for your monster. You will receive uh, regular updates on the progress of your monster and how it's being put together, how it's coming to life. And after filming wraps, after the production wraps, you will receive a screen-used piece of your monster. Nice. That's pretty cool, yeah. actually. That is, that is one of the coolest perks I've ever heard of. Um, you know, I don't think anybody else is out there giving away monsters. So Yeah, yeah. Like, not even in D&D, it's still like... D&D &D has monsters, but it's like, no, here's a, here's a monster book, but none of them are your monsters. Uh, exactly. This is your own monster. I love that. Now, I'm really interested to learn kind of like, I talked with August about this, um, and I've talked with uh, Jonathan Perry about this as well, about filming on location. Um, yes. I imagine filming in a cave, that's got its challenges. Very much so. <laughs> so... Uh, we've, it really depends completely on the weather outside too, which you wouldn't think would affect the cave, but if there's been a heavy rain outside, it's very humid in the cave. There's lots of moisture just hanging in the air, which affects the camera lens really bad sometimes, um, trying to capture audio in these small cavernous areas where so much noise is bouncing off everything has definitely been a challenge and you completely lose track of time in this case mm -hmm. day and night are are completely foreign concepts when you're inside the cave well because like how i'm trying to now comprehend like how does it like affect the cameras so basically when you're looking through the camera lens um the lens will actually get fogged up sometimes due to all the moisture in the air okay. or you'll just kind of see so many particles 
floating in the air that it really takes you out of because this is not going to be a found footage style film. This is going to be completely cinematic. So taking away from the real world feel of looking through the camera where you do see so many particles and bits and things like that, we want it to be on the more cinematic side of things. Yeah, because like I, I obviously knew you, you'd have challenges being on location, but I didn't realize like the environment could literally play havoc with the equipment. Because I'm just like oh, I'm yeah. an amateur. Like I'm I'm like I have my phone over here doing one angle. Hello, second angle, and I got my <laughs> webcam on the other one. That's it. This is as technical as I get. And <laughs> now you're telling me like just randomly the camera will just steam up, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know you got to keep that gate clean. You got to keep the lens wiped off and everything. And it's it's definitely been a challenge. But I've got one of the best crews around working on this project, and I have no doubt that you know we'll be able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I do get that sense that you absolutely love your crew. Um, oh, I do. Tell me about them, and tell me how they like sort of like rose to this challenge of filming in a cave, which is already scary with a with a sign that says "Don't go any further." so i have uh my assistant director who will be mr tyler broadway who i've worked with on screen in a lot of projects but he and i are kind of taking the step behind the camera this time and Mm -hmm. since i will be playing one of the characters in the film myself uh anytime that i'm on film i can trust tyler behind the camera to kind of keep the vision in the wheelhouse that we've discussed and and i know i can trust him with that um i have my director of photography david cunningham who i have filmed literally basically all of my stuff with uh david and i have been doing things for a few years now this is just our first large feature kind of deal micro feature however you want to uh bill it uh brian chow who is our sound engineer is a brilliant sound technician he is so professional on set he knows lighting and sound and i really couldn't figure out all of the sound problems without him we have cody and kayla epling who are a cosplay duo couple here in knoxville um they're helping build some of the larger monsters and uh bigger you know bigger moving things and then i have uh my friend brandon hill who works with the grotto which is in tennessee also uh he's helping build some of the monsters as well some of the smaller props some of the rock props and things like that and uh let's see i I don't think i'm forgetting anybody we've we've kept a pretty small crew we have Mm -hmm. some other people that we're bringing in to kind of assist and help with things but those are the those are the main crew there Mm -hmm. I, I kind of imagine you need to almost in that environment try and keep the crew as small as possible. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because the more people you have on set, the more noise you have, the more just because even in the cave, you can be 40 feet away from everyone having a conversation and it just carries throughout yeah. the halls. And it, so. Uh, the smaller the crew, the better, definitely. And because that this location is an abandoned cave, um, it was actually a tourist attraction in 1912 that has been shut down and completely abandoned. So we've we've run into the thing where we don't. There's 
it's not like a no trespassing kind of place. You know, there's no signs or private property or anything like that, but we still don't know who owns it. We don't actually know <laughs> who we should contact about saying, hey, we're going to be filming a movie here. So another big kind of challenge that hangs over my head is at any point in time, I'm afraid someone might just show up and be like, hey, you can't film this here. Yeah. Like, I have something that I find really fascinating. August mentioned it, and uh, Jonathan Perry mentioned it as well. It is, it's that guerrilla style of filmmaking where, like, you almost just have to do it, hope for the best, and then yes. leg it. Um, Absolutely. It, is that something you enjoy doing, or is that something you'll be like, <laughs> I, I hope I never do this again? No, it's, uh, I, I completely understand the assignment and I'm not concerned about it at all. I think we're going to have a really good run with this. I don't think we're going to have any hiccups. Um, honestly, I, I think that I, and that's the reason I want to keep the crew small. We're doing this whole thing in three days. We're filming the full production and cramping it into a three day shoot, a consecutive three days. And uh, I know that's going to be hard on my cast and crew, but I, I realistically think that's the only way we're going to get it done. I mean, like, and like you said, like you, 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 you could probably use location and probably not. And maybe I'll wait until after you've done this to release this episode, you know, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just so I don't accidentally incriminate you in anything. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, it's okay. I didn't see any signs anywhere. So we're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no signs. Yeah, uh, no signs. I've also so. used that to get off a parking fine once. <laughs> exactly. There was no signs. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm also interested. You mentioned um, and something else I find quite fascinating, and this comes from my love of sci-fi, my love of Star Trek, and uh, trust me, this is related. Where yes. I see, particularly in long-running shows, members of the cast would jump behind the camera for occasional episodes, like sort of um, LaFar Burton, uh, Michael Dawn, and Jonathan Frakes all step behind the camera in, in Next Generation. So tell me about that. How do you run the show and are part of the show? So uh, that very much comes from having the support system of my crew, who I know I can trust. Um, basically, I, I feel like I can completely devote myself to the character and to the scenes when I'm on camera and mm -hmm. I don't have any, I, I don't have to be also consciously thinking while I'm in the scene. Okay. What does this camera angle look like? Does the lighting look good over here? I can just solely focus on the scene because I have such a great AD like Tyler. Um, yeah. And then when I'm not on camera and am able to kind of orchestrate the scenes myself, uh, there's no ego there. There's no uh, conflict of, uh, well, I would have done it better. Why does he have to do everything too? Why, you know, we're all just here to create one great product. So if one of us can't be there doing it at the moment, someone else can pick up the slack. And mm -hmm. I think that's a, a very a winning combination of things. Mm -hmm. I think something I'm also getting from your answer and from everyone else's answers, sort of like along along those questions, is it's all about trust, isn't it? Trusting in your yes. crew. Huge trust. If you don't have faith in your crew, if you don't have trust in the people that you're working with, 
why are you doing, you know, I, I guess trust has to be built sometimes, but that's why I choose to surround myself with people that I enjoy working with. It's, you know, it's people that I know work here to work hard. It's people that I know are talented and people that I know I can trust. So those are three big things, you know, professionalism, talent, and trust are huge things yeah. to build a community. Mm-hmm. They are, they are. Um, I kind of want to now know about like the inspirations behind this. I'm sort of like cognitive or cognizant rather, I should say. I'm cognizant of like HP Lovecraft. And I know you cited that as one of your, your sources. Um, yes. So tell me, tell me about your inspirations. Tell me about like kind of what are the pieces of media that just made you say, I want to make this about these urban explorers and throw them into this particular environment. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, I've always loved horror. Um, I've always loved monster movies. Those are my absolute favorites. I've, I've always wanted to make my own monster movie. So growing up, I've, I've always really liked the more, I guess I, the best way to put it would be the cosmic horrors, uh, things that aren't from this world. Um, Mm -hmm. I love things and the stories and things like, uh, stories from the witch house, uh, things like that from Lovecraft that are, so wildly out there and you know just so many beings from different uh different areas of time and space and so when i saw uh my girl my my fiance and i are actually very big into looking at urban explorations and finding mm-hmm. abandoned places around that we can go explore ourselves and so the first time i saw even the front opening of this cave when we got to it just it left me in awe because it looks like something out of lord of the rings i mean it is just this picturesque scene into the front of this cave and i told myself then and there i gotta do something here something Mm -hmm. has to happen here and the more time i've spent in that cave the more inspiration i've drawn from just how people could see cave monsters in in a cave, you know, how, how the mythos of monsters was even brought from a cave, because it's very easy to become disoriented, to hear different noises coming from all over the place, to see different shapes in the shadows. And I really want to play off of that claustrophobic fear that mm-hmm. people, you know, draw from in, in areas like that. Because I'm now just picturing that in my head and I'm thinking something else that goes really well with that is like, in that situation, you you kind of are also hypersensitive to everything. Like you're just yes. aware of every single little drop of water and every single kind yes. of um, every single movement. So is that something you want to play with? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, because like you said, even even a little drop of water from mm-hmm. way over here, you know, you hear it so magnified, and it sounds when multiple drips are going. It just sounds like people are talking you know, five feet away from you and you want to play off of the, you know, the scares of seeing a shadow move and not being sure, is that a cave wall? Is that a creature? Is that something that lives here? Or is that just a rock formation? You know, yeah. um, because to me, being in a space like a cave where, you know, you're completely dependent on a little headlamp, basically, uh, to see everything is equivalent to me to being under the ocean 
You know, those yeah. are places we don't belong. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and you immediately go to the bottom of the food chain in those places. <laughs> so so it's definitely, I, I can just imagine being happy because the cave itself goes back almost a mile and a half. Wow. Um, so I can just imagine being halfway through there and the light going out and yeah. you being completely reliant on your senses to get back. You wouldn't make it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh goodness, I, I, I feel like I should now put a disclaimer in the video at this moment. Please don't go exploring dark caves unless you actually know what you're doing and with trained professionals. Yes, we do have <laughs> uh, professionals on site, uh, safety coordinators and all of that. So yes, please do not just go diving into caves and things thinking, well, the guy at the movie said I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if the guy that maybe said you could do it, I mean, like, you can do it, right? <laughs> yeah, what dwells beneath is a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, am I going to be implicated in this lawsuit as well? <laughs> I, You know, you're, you are technically a, a, a party in it now, so. <laughs> oh, God, I'll have to, have, to get my, I'll have to get my lawyers ready. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So I'm 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 now really kind of interested in sort of why urban exploration, why that particular sort of um, niche, that particular activity. I enjoy watching urban explorers, especially the ones that go to what they consider time capsules, where like it looks like someone just picked up their whole lives one day and left, and then left everything in the home, and the home has now become this dilapidated you know, nature-filled, picturesque scene. And they go in, they don't vandalize anything. They don't, you know, they're just there to learn the history of what this place was. And mm -hmm. there's actually a very specific uh, team that I watch named Sam and Jess Explore. They are actually UK-based explorers. And they go to a lot of places around the UK, to Belgium, to Germany, to Austria, and Peru, and things like that. And they look at a lot of these old... I, I love the, the countryside in, in the UK. I think yeah. it's gorgeous. I think yeah. you all have gorgeous cottage core aesthetic out there. And um, just, I always think in my head, like, some of the places that they've gone, I'm like, you know, and this is the last time we see Sam and Jess, because... <laughs> <laughs> this place is you have no business going into this place that you're going into and so that definitely sparked interest in me wanting to play with the idea of the urban exploration team mm -hmm. yeah i mean like I, I i as someone who lives in the uk we've got some nice bits oh yeah we've got bits that are complete shells uh, <laughs> we're not all complete kind of, it's not all picturesque I mean if you go down to the Cotswolds it's quite nice down there uh, oh, yeah. if you can afford it uh, <laughs> but yeah there is like because um, particularly if you look at kind of like a lot of our myths and our legends and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm bastardizing some history here but like a lot of our myths and our legends come from sort of like paganism in the UK or and sort of like up yes. towards um, Scotland and I believe Scandinavia as well and a lot of those stories that we tell, like sort of our children, like those kind of horror stories that start off as like nursery rhymes and then they go to like kind of like like like, like fables and, and a little bit further on. They are that cottage in the middle of the forest where the witch and or evil spellcaster and or um 
sentient thing is living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's the perfect setting for all yeah. of that. You just <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I find I'm, I'm, I'm definitely finding urban ex- exploration to be like, as I see them on YouTube, it's, it's fascinating. Yes. And it's like, I, I have this, I, I've often asked on a few of them, few, few of the videos. It's like, well, why can't people go into those places and make them usable again? Right. Yeah. And it's, it, I think some of it is, just, it's just so far gone. It would cost. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I wonder that about this cave too, though. Like for all intents and purposes, it's a usable tourist cave. Still it's, it has paths carved out all through it where you can tell they had walking paths and even electricity and stuff is set up in there, but none of it works anymore. All of the plugs are like rotten and laying on the ground. And it's just, it's so odd to see something that was once this large bustling thing to just be totally abandoned. There's also a visitor center that's right outside the cave where, cause this was like a whole day thing. Like people would, you know, people would bring the kids out and they'd go to, you know, cave world or whatever this was <laughs> at the time. And all of that is still standing. All of the visitor centers still there. Some of the little outdoor attractions are still there. And then you get to the mouth of the cave and it's just, it's breathtaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go back to your, um, inspirations now as well. And I'm kind of curious because from from the from the filmmakers I've talked to and those who are working in the film, um, it's almost always seems to be a kind of like you make a choice when you are a young child and you're like, I want to make film. Do you fit into that category? I think so. Um, acting and filmmaking are two things that I've always loved to do. Entertainment of any kind is something that I'm very passionate about. I love just creating and having a space and a platform to create now. Um, even, you know, as a young kid, I, I always wanted to be up on stage doing something. Or when I got into like middle school, high school, me and my friends would make stupid little home movies and stuff like that that we thought were hilarious. And just moving through it, I've I've now built up such a friend group and community of such talented individuals that I've finally really been able to bring things to fruition and, you know, make some of these dreams and, you know, ideas come to life. Let's also talk about your inspirations again as well. And I will be doing everyone a bit of a disservice. Obviously, we're going to have to describe this for the audio listeners, but those who are watching on YouTube, um, let me put you in solo view. Your background. Oh, my God. You yes. have everything. Um, tell me about all of this. Tell, I, I imagine you love every yes. single thing that's behind you. Oh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, this, uh, you can't see it on the other side of the camera, but I have an entire shelf wall of other decorum and things like that. So my set will actually change from time to time to kind of fit maybe the aesthetic of the movie I'm talking about. But these old, like, universal monster statues that I have back here, I've had these since I was a child. These were my Halloween decorations when I was a kid. Um, 
Godzilla over here has also been a big, <laughs> a big uh, influence in my life. Um, I just, I, I've always loved horror. This is my little guy Roswell back here. Roswell is my emotional support alien. We go everywhere together after rescuing him from Area 51. Um, yeah, I just, I love surrounding myself with the things that I love most. <laughs> yeah. Um, did he come from the raid that we had a few years ago or was that, um, did he arrive earlier? Actually, he became, I rescued Roswell and you can go on my Facebook all the way back and look at the date that I rescued Roswell from Area 51. And it was at least a year before anybody was talking about storming Area 51. And that was, okay, you don't announce to the world that you're going to go in. You just go in, you get your dude and you get back out. That's covert mission. Yeah, exactly. Like, get it right, people. Get it absolutely yeah. right. Okay, 100% <laughs> right. You're making the rest of us look like amateurs. <laughs> At the time of recording right now, um, the SAG actor strike and writer strike is currently happening. Now, right. um, obviously, it's what's happening in the UK is very different to what's happening over in the States. So yes. are you happy to share your perspective? Absolutely. Um, I think that a lot of these people are 100% rooted in what where they need to be. I'm glad to see people taking a stand for, because I hear people say things like, oh, well, they, you know, they should have had better contracts. They should have had better this. But, you know, people didn't know streaming was going to be a thing when, when these shows were written, when these actors were giving their likeness you know, to these projects and as a non-union, because we're a non-union project, we're still very much an independent project. And I think it was Mark Ruffalo who put up a whole thing about encouraging uh, actors, these SAG actors to go work with these independent producers, to work with indie horror studios to, or, you know, independent studios and independent filmmakers and give these big studios someone to compete with. You know, show yeah. them that there is competition out there and you're not who runs the world. And I, I really love that. And just to speak on that, Mark Ruffalo, if you are serious about that, I can barely afford to pay you, but I would love to make a movie. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo would be the best, though. Yeah. Seriously, he, he would he would just dive into it. He would love it. And that's the thing is I really think he would do it. I really think he would be one that do it but i i stand with these actors and writers uh i think you know the ip that you've put into things the characters that you've created and the shows that you've created these networks wouldn't exist without mm -hmm. their contribution you wouldn't have yeah. shows to make money off of if you didn't have writers and actors bringing it to life yeah yeah i, I remember seeing a tiktok um from Adam, I can't remember his last name, uh, so you oh, yeah, have to yeah. me. But he, he's famous for doing the Adam ruins everything. Adam ruins everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember his last name, so I do apologize. I have to Google it, and I'll tag, I'll tag him in below. I'm going to tag Mark Ruffalo and Adam ruins everything in both of these now. Yes, uh, please do. Pay attention to my podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but help he, us he make a movie. About yeah, help us make a movie. Let's make a movie. Um, but he talked about how, like, sort of writing went from being something that could be a reasonable career for someone to take if they had talent to being gig work. 
right that you do every and now is. and again yeah and and how do we fix that can we fix so that? i i think there is a way to fix that i think that there is better wages and better contracts that can be redrawn for mm-hmm. these actors these writers to where everyone feels like they're making because you know people work their whole lives for retirement you know, you work at yeah. a company your whole life to build up retirement. Well, what if your retirement fund was your IP that you've put into all these shows that you've written? And now all of a sudden you're not, you're, you're getting 60 cents in royalties to, to, you know, it's, it's not feasible to be able to do that yeah. back in the, back in the golden age of Hollywood, you hear where people were living in, you know, New York for, in a, in a one bedroom apartment and they didn't have a job and they just lived in this little studio apartment, right? away scripts. And they were able to afford to do that as a struggling actor at the time or a struggling writer at the time, uh, which is not a feasible thing to do now. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to find a one bedroom apartment in, in New York city, you know, in the village where it's, tons of creative people around you and you're just you have the freedom to sit and create i mean can you imagine how many pieces of media wouldn't exist if those people weren't given that time to be able to do that and what we're missing out on now because we stifle so much creativity with the great almighty dollar you know these corporations get so greedy that i think we're really screwing ourselves out of some some of the best media that we could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm totally with you there. And I do hope that the executives um, just listen. Like, yeah. they're using first-party companies right now to negotiate. And it's like, no, you're meant to negotiate directly with the union. Exactly. To, yeah, it's like me doing this interview and then I, I bring in chat GPT to write the questions for me. And then, I mean, AI can be a very useful tool if used correctly to get rid of lots of heavy admin work. Um, Absolutely. Particularly in my world, in in the world of teaching, like there's so much, so much busy work you have to do. Sure. I I can deal with that. That's a good use of it. But like, it's like me just saying, okay, you know what? ChatGPT is going to write this entire um, interview. ChatGPT is going to read the questions to you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to press publish and I take all the credit for that. Right. And it's like, yeah. And then uh, I'm like, yeah, all that money coming in. I'm studio executive. I'm very, very wealthy. And then you're there like, but I was the one who provided the voice. But I, I talk and they're like, yeah, well, we paid you your $150 for your face and your voice that one time, even though we've yeah. continued to use it extensively. And it, background actors as well, they're being replaced by AI. Um, scanned in, and I'm just like, but background actors are so cool. They have the best time ever. I'm just, I think about, you know, the people too that say, you know, oh, AI is so great, and this, it's, you know, who cares if your face is being used? It's like, well, what if one day you signed up for an app and you gave it permission to use your likeness and you took a picture of yourself, and then all of the sudden you see yourself in the background of some movie? Or you see yourself in some game, they're using your likeness, your face, you know, your voice and everything, and you get nothing off of it. But because you yeah. agreed to whatever this was to let them use that of yours, you got no ground to stand on. Like, I bet you wouldn't think it was so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
uh, studio executives just like listen to this indie podcaster and just negotiate yeah. and negotiate something fair. Something like, fair. That's all they're asking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a fair shake. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you um, for um, for your time today um, and helping me yeah. like kind of work out like sort of changes to my format. I really appreciate this because I know sometimes it can be a case of like, oh my god, he's changing the format. Is this even going to work? And it's no, working, I, I think I'm I'm here for whatever. Obviously, there's lots of changes to the format happening over these next few weeks and whatnot. But one thing that I do not want to change that I absolutely love ending every single interview with is my questionnaire. Um, these questions always close us out and they come from the Prost questionnaire which were later adapted by Bernard Pivot later by the late late great James Lipton who is my just inspiration alongside Terry Gross and Michael Parkinson and now I present my oh my god there's something behind you adaptation to you you got me look at you I got you yeah that's my (laughs) best one yeah (laughs) question one (laughs) Yes. I am mature. I am very mature. <laughs> 30 years old, I am mature. <laughs> 100%. Yes, <laughs> okay, question one. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Mm. I think my absolute favorite word is flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. Tell love, me about flabbergasted. So flabbergasted is just a all-encompassing word for anger and frustration and annoyance and surprise and disbelief. And it just it all fits so well together in one fun word that just flabbergasted. Yeah. <laughs> really. It's got that jumps. it's got that Dr. Seuss effect, hasn't it? It's like kind of it like does. I like that. Yeah. It's got a very susical rhythm to it. Yes, I love I that. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The opposite question is: What is your least favorite word? Mm. My least favorite word. My least favorite word is probably "can't," mm-hmm. and not because of any grammatical blah blah, but "can't" is just that there's no there is no can't. There is no cannot. There is there is none of that. There is you need to figure it out. <laughs> there's there's always yeah. an excuse as to why you can't do something. Find the reason why you can't do it. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. You're not the first person to say that. Really? Yeah. It has been said at least. I'm pretty sure. I need to go through the stats again. I need to make a post about this. I'm yes. pretty sure it's been said at least twice. In these <laughs> interviews, we're in their thirties of these interviews now. We're in the thirties, and yeah, I'm pretty yes. sure at least twice two people have said can't, and for the same reasons, find a way. Mm-hmm. Just find a way to do it. Find a way. Uh, question three: What engages you? Mm, what engages me? I love meeting new people and discussing creative works, and you know, meeting people that enjoy. The things that I put out and the work that I do, and it, especially anytime I get to do live stage things, uh, I, I love engaging with the audience and and the fan base that comes and all the pe- just seeing all the love and uh, you know people having a good time and the energy in the room is just yeah. I, I love it. That's yeah, that's definitely yeah. what engages me the most. 
Yeah. A good aligned vampire is what I like to think of the mass. Absolutely. Like, feed off the positive energy and then create yes. more positive stuff with that energy. Um, exactly. I'm pretty like sure. a positive energy vampire. Yeah. Um, which would be wonderful. Um, question number four. What disengages you? Really? Oh, just sour attitudes. I hate pity parties and uh, oh, woe is me. And, you know, things like when you're in a situation that you, you really could work yourself through and and people are telling you like hey here's how you could get through this here's some creative solutions to get through this and you just don't want to hear any of it you're just eh, wow, wow, wow. i those types of attitudes very yeah. much disengage me i don't i i don't have time for that yeah yeah um totally agree on that uh question five what sound or noise do you love the sound that i really love <laughs> it's gonna sound really stupid, but Jack Black's voice. Anything that gentleman has to say, sing, yep. or do, yeah, is yep. just one of my favorite noises in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we stand Jack Black over here. Um, I need to get a shrine yes. for him, like right here. I've got a spare cube I can use. Just, just he can go right Jack here. Black. <laughs> That's the first person I'm going to tag into this episode. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Let's see if he's a reply. I hope they reply. I do hope I they really reply. hope they do. Just, I do too. Just little guys. Just little guys. Yeah. Um, just... Question six. What sound or noise do you hate? It is like, I don't know. There is a, um, I don't know. It's almost like fart bubbles in mud. <laughs> But there's something about the noise that's just like. What when you're walking just, along like in a muddy field and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just there's something that, where you can hear like bubbles and stuff popping up out of the mud that I don't. <laughs> I don't love yeah. that noise. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agreed. Um, question seven. It's everyone's favorite and it's mine too. What is your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word. Your favorite mm-hmm. curse word. There'll be no bleep. Perfect. Oh, it has to be goddamn. Oh, goddamn? I, I say I say it with such ferocity. Just all oh, goddamn, goddamn. <laughs> 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 I love. Yeah, hundred percent. My one of my favorite curse words. Just uh, goddamn. Sweet, sweet. Uh, question eight: What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? I think I would really love i think i would really enjoy teaching like mm-hmm. people yeah. how to do certain things I, I think uh not children i don't i don't like kids so i don't want to teach kids but if there was like an adult <laughs> master class that someone wanted to take as someone who I, teaches kids for a living i need to stay quiet now yeah <laughs> That's right. You don't you don't get to have an input on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think uh I think teaching te- teaching adults things uh I could do. Yeah. No, no. It's it's a good it's a good area to work in as well and it's one I've considered. Um and yeah, cuz education doesn't stop when you leave school. 
Um, yeah. Just pick the things you're interested in nowadays. And right. uh, what would you teach? What would I teach? I think I would teach, oh man, just almost like um, I would really like to do, I don't know if it's even a field of study. I'm sure it is. But basically mythoses and legends and cryptids mm -hmm. and urban legends and things like that, where they come from and, you know, the monsters and all different areas that have similar monster stories, but they're, but they're still different. You know, they're specific to yeah. the area, even if they have the same backstory. I, I think I would really like teaching people about that. That'd be a cool subject. That'd be a cool subject to teach. I'm pretty sure it is a subject. Um, but I, my I knowledge like is positive escapes me. Yeah, it feels like it should be. Um, question nine: What profession would you not like to do? Mm. I don't think I would want to be a police officer. Yeah, or the president. I don't think mm. I would want anything to do with being president. You just get blamed for everything. Mm -hmm. Like. It doesn't matter. And this is not, I am not talking about anyone <laughs> specifically. Oh my God. This is not a political state. Just a general point of view that habitually since the first president, it's just like we give all of us one person to be mad yeah. at. Like we need to yeah. blame someone for this and you're it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, you're getting blamed just. for everything. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> all right, final question. If you could say only one statement to any one person, what would that statement be and who would that person be? If I could say a statement to anyone, it would definitely be, um, don't be afraid to shoot your shot. Don't be afraid to make your own way. You know, just ask. Just put it out yeah. there. Who who cares what people are going to think about it? Who cares what you know what the higher ups are going to think of you? Prove why you deserve to be up there with them. You know, show your worth. Make your own lane. Just put it out there. Don't worry about what other people are going to think. Mm -hmm. Yep, I mean that's good advice. Um, remind me, where can we find the Indiegogo, and where can we find your social media? Yes. So if you just go to Indiegogo and type in what dwells beneath, it should take you right to our uh, Indiegogo campaign. Or you can follow us on Facebook at what dwells beneath film. Uh, it'll it all right there together. Um, I post all of our updates to our Facebook page uh, as the progression goes along. I think we are 17% funded on the Indiegogo and we have 51 days left as of today while we're recording this. Nice. I do sincerely hope you make the target. Like genuinely from the bottom of my heart. I really Thank do you hope so you make much. it. And uh, yeah, I'll be throwing in a little bit as well. Uh, oh my God. This. Thank so, you, Tom. Um, That's yeah, you'll, you'll find something a little bit afterwards. You'll find a tiny little thing from me. Um, so there's that. Yay! Uh, Yay! <laughs> Um, and of course, don't forget, you can also follow this show uh, on all of the social medias too. Uh, yes. I'm at Tom Meets People. I'm at Tom Meets People on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok, on all of them. Can I get the screen to work? Yes, it does. Yes, um, you did. Please follow us on there. And um, if you like what you see, please subscribe on whatever app you're on. If you're on YouTube, click underneath and you'll be able to watch yet another episode with my horrible, horrible voice. 
Until then, everyone, <laughs> take care and goodbye. <laughs>